a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. Hello and good afternoon, everyone. We're back again. I'm Priyanka Shrestha. I'm Johnny Bester. And welcome to another special edition of Short Fuse uh, without Sumit. Sumit's not here again. No, he's part-timer these days. Yeah, it seems he's very busy doing other stuff. So we're here again uh, to entertain you and hopefully provide you with information you need uh, about what's happening in the energy industry. Uh, As usual, um, share your comments on Twitter and Periscope. Uh, You can use the hashtag shortfuse and our Twitter handle is at energylivenews. You can tweet as well. Uh, We're also live on YouTube uh, if the other mediums don't work. Um, so moving yeah, please, on please to... comment and get in touch with us yes last Do- week we had limited shout outs so uh, yeah hopefully we'll have a few this time yeah that's fingers crossed um, so moving on to stories of the week uh, first up is the SSE price rise uh, so SSE has been uh, it's basically the last of the big six energy companies uh, to announce an increase in gas and electricity prices um, it said that it will increase it by 6.7 percent. Uh, and it will come into effect on the 11th of July this year. Uh, it's going to add about £76 uh, to the average dual fuel energy bill. Uh, that'll take up the total to around £1,196. Is it doing that for the same reasons as the other companies said? Yes, so what they've said is, again, uh, it made this difficult decision because uh, uh, because of the rising wholesale energy costs and also because they have to um, spend money on delivering the government's uh, policy uh, schemes. So that could include the smart meter rollout and also some other low carbon schemes. Um, so it's not just the SSE customers affected. So MS Energy customers will also be affected. Uh, and that's a total of around 2.36 million customers. Um, uh, but this doesn't uh, apply to fixed term, those customers who are on fixed term tariffs and also on prepayment meters. So those will keep going? Yes. So their their prices will remain the same. I bet they're happy about that. Uh, We've got a story. The next story is from Northern Power Grid. Uh, So Northern Power Grid uh, have basically come up with this new technology. So that's self-healing cables, they've called it. That Uh, sounds very Harry Potter-ish. Yes, a magical new technology. (laughs) Uh, And so at the moment, Northern Power Grid operates, I think, 930 kilometers of uh, fluid-filled cables across, across their network. And fluid-filled ki- cables basically serve the purpose, uh, the fluid in there, uh, serves the purpose of insulating the cables, uh, stopping the temperature from getting too high so they don't get damaged. Uh, but obviously, because it's fluid-filled, if those cables get damaged on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, they get little holes in, and this chemical, the fluid, leaks out into the ground uh, and can cause pollution, can damage the environment. Uh, so this new technology, uh, they've added two things. One's called tongue oil and the others are called okay. metal soaps. I'm not really familiar with either of those uh, before this story. Uh, but by adding those to the mix of the fluid in the cables, uh, it means that if they develop a hole that it kind of automatically seals up and stops polluting the environment. So does that mean that engineers won't actually have to go physically and dig it up to solve the issue? Yeah, it means the yeah at the moment uh, engineers mm. have to go out if they think there's a leak, dig it up, clean the soil in the area, mm. um, close that bit of power cable off from the network for a certain amount of time. So obviously that takes a lot of money to do all of that. Mm. Uh, so Northern Power Grid actually says this technology, uh, which they're planning to roll out this year, uh, could save £20 million across the next five years. So quite a lot of money. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, next up, another interesting story about seals and climate change. I'm not sure we've run any 
kind of any seal story uh, ever, not that I can remember yeah. anyway. Um, so what they've done is uh, scientists in the UK have recruited seals uh, to measure the effects of climate change. So they equipped a squad of seals with sensors uh, that measured the warmth and the saltiness in the Mudson Sea. Uh, so what they did was just fitted these sensors to their head, uh, left them to be. Um, so what they were doing is basically diving in the sea and hunting for their food. With their new hats? With Yes, with their new hats. You might be able to see the picture behind me. Um, so what... So data from these satellites uh, was sent from the satellites uh, using these sensors. Um, and I think in total there were around 10,000 dives um, yeah, from where they gathered all this information. And what they found was that the warm band of water uh, is said to be accelerating the melt, uh, the melting of the West Antarctic ice sheet. So they said that if this was to be lost entirely, it could increase sea levels by 3.2 meters. So I think it's a useful way of using it, um, yeah. using a technology. The seals uh, have got an interest in it because their home's going to disappear if yeah, uh, they don't yeah. do a good job. Yeah, and also uh, that means um, for places where people can't physically go in or it might be difficult to um, get data 24-7, um, I mean, you can do it use seals uh, as a means to do that and you can mm. get information yeah. throughout the year. And you compare them with one fish, one fish <laughs> a month rather yes. than uh, salaries <laughs> the scientists. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Mm. Uh, yep. Next one. So my next one uh, goes from seals to Theresa May. Uh, but Theresa May, our Prime Minister, as you all know, uh, she is basically committed to halving the energy use of uh, mm. new buildings across the UK by 2030. Uh, which I think is a pretty good idea because heating and powering buildings at the moment I think makes up 40% of UK energy consumption so that's a massive uh, kind of proportion uh, for all the sectors so that seems like an obvious target to go after and kind of clean up a bit. Um, so Theresa May, is, she hasn't this, she's committed to it uh, but it's, uh, it's not you know, written in stone just yet but she said it's going to slash bills, uh, lower demand and it's going to reduce the amount of new infrastructure that has to be built mm. uh, because people's homes will be using less power. Uh, so rather, it's, it kind of obviously one route to sustainability is by making our actual power generation greener. Mm. Uh, but this will reduce emissions by meaning that we don't actually need as much power. Um, so it's like when people say energy efficiency is the magic bullet. Mm. Uh, I, think I, it's, I think it's quite a good idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea, but I think we just have to wait and see if this is something that is going to be implemented mm. in the near future. Because I know uh, people, politicians make a lot of promises. I know they've delivered on some, but hopefully this is something that will go forward because the industry has been calling for energy efficiency um, changes and policy, to, to be, energy efficiency to be made one of the main policies. Mm. Uh, in in the in the UK, but that hasn't happened yet. So hopefully this will drive that. Yeah, it's quite easy to say it, but then there's also a lot of buildings being made all the time. Mm. So yeah, hopefully she will actually follow through and make sure that happens. Yeah. Um, and she also said the UK needs to lead efforts for zero emission transport as well. So that's something else I hope. To see. Okay. All right. So moving on to the next one about. Uh, greening cricket in India. Um, I thought this, this was a fitting story because uh, World Environment Day is coming up on the 5th of June, which is next Tuesday, uh, and India is hosting uh, the, the day this year. Uh, so what they've uh, done is uh, an agreement has been signed between the Board of Control for Cricket in India and the UN Environment. So they have joined forces and they want to engage fans 
uh, and players in sustainable initiatives uh, and also spread awareness about using uh, greener alternatives to resources. Uh, so cricket, as you might know, is one of the widely, most widely played and watched sport in the country. So hopefully uh, this initiative will have, have an impact mm. and encourage um, the fans to do something about uh, the environment. Um, eventually what they also want to do is phase out uh, the use of single-use plastics across stadiums uh, and events, so cricket events in the country. Are they going to do that with football and rugby, do you think? That would be quite a good idea. Yeah, it would be a good idea here. Um, but I mean, because obviously this is in India itself and India, mm. um, like I said, is uh, cricket is a big sport, so they're focusing on India. I mean, focusing on the sport cricket. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, uh, rugby and uh, football could be something that could be implemented elsewhere yeah. as well. Sustainable sports everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as part of this World Environment Day, um, thousands of people took part in what is dubbed to be the world's largest beach cleanup, uh, and it was the Versova Beach in Mumbai. Um, and it seems like the initiative is going forward, uh, is taking off, and hopefully uh, big changes will be seen. Yeah, it's very sporting of them all to take part. <laughs> uh, and the next story is about Ribena. Uh, I haven't had a Ribena in quite a long time. Don't know about no, you. I don't remember the last time I had one, probably a few years ago. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so there's uh, this Ribena aren't directly involved in this initiative, uh, mm -hmm. but um, a new university study, uh, a new, new researchers, sorry, at a university have developed a new product which is made out of blackcurrant waste. Mm -hmm. Uh, and actually, Ribena used 90% of the UK's black currants, which is quite a shocking statistic in mm. itself, I thought. Uh, so most of the waste they will be using will come from Ribena, and they're going to use that waste to actually create sustainable hair dye. Right. Uh, so I don't use hair dye, but no, I really I mean, thought. I do, but I wouldn't think of all the products um, that's out there, I wouldn't think about hair dye and unsustainable, it being us unsustainable. Mm. That wouldn't really click for me, I mean, un until I actually read the story. So I think yeah. a lot of people oh, who use hair dye, wouldn't, that wouldn't strike them. Yeah, so I'm, obviously I don't, I'm not a hair dye expert, but um, <laughs> so I, sure? I, I don't know exactly <laughs> what chemicals go into them. Uh, but 95% apparently of all mm. of the chemicals in there, some obviously aren't very harmful for the environment, yeah. depending on the brand, some <laughs> are more harmful. But 95% of all of them end up uh, you know, going down the drains yeah. and soaking into the ground. So the fact that we have a hair dye coming that's made out of black currants is actually pretty good because obviously they just berries basically. So you're saying this hair dye that goes into drains out, mm. um, goes in the ground, is not good for the environment? Um, is that what they've said? Well, it's, I think it's more that they're factory-made chemicals and they're unsure on the effect it has oh, okay. on the environment. Right. So I don't, I think it's quite unlikely that they're doing anything good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I don't want to, you know, kind of paint them all Make with the same brush. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the black currants, uh, the waste, obviously they get juiced or whatever in the mm -hmm. Ribena factory uh, and the skins are just all left behind and at the moment I'm not sure what happens to them but nothing particularly useful. Uh, but the anthocyanins, they're called, are the pigment in black currant skins right. uh, and they basically go into this mix that is used to dye your hair. Uh, so at the moment, you can only dye your hair red, purple, or blue. So you might not be switching no, to maybe, that. Maybe I mean red is something possibly, but probably that's probably a bit too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What if I came I'd probably go came for to work purple. with purple hair tomorrow and? Yeah, you had to go and interview a minister. Yeah, I don't think Suma yeah. would be that happy. <laughs> uh, but the, the the people behind it uh, are commercialising it this year, and they say 
uh, hopefully, they're going to be able to mix it with natural yellow colorings, right. and that would give you shades of brown. So maybe you would okay, use it so after I would all. use it, yeah. yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Um, uh, right, so that's it for Stories of the Week. Uh, we'll move on to the second segment, Viewpoint. So this is uh, a story I researched I thought was very interesting. Um, I mean, it is up for debate. So if you've got yes, any, any comments, um, please feel free to uh, share them with us uh, using the hashtag ShortFuse and at Energy Live News. Uh, so this research suggests that guys trying to be masculine could be damaging the planet. I mean, I don't know how many of us or them agree or disagree. Uh, what they said is they found a psychological link between being eco-friendly and perceptions of femininity. Uh, more than 2,000 uh, US and Chinese participants were studied. Uh, so basically what they said was some men uh, said that using, reusing a bag in store when you go to buy your groceries um, is unmanly. Outrageous. I'm obviously the most masculine guy in the office. Uh, um, so, up for debate. Yeah, but I am environmentally <laughs> conscious, so I disagree with that on principle. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'd be embarrassed to use a plastic bag or anything like no. that. Uh, I use my rucksack anyway, because I always have it on me. Mm. Um, and I don't want to, I'm too stingy to pay five pence for plastic <laughs> bags. Uh, but no, I don't think my decision's got anything to do with masculinity, really. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, another thing that the research also found is that some men... Um, said that they would donate to charity if the logo was masculine. So if it had a, a fox or, um, or a jaguar compared to maybe butterflies or flowers. Mm. Uh, and also that they would buy a hybrid car if the advert used masculine words. So I don't know what you think about that. Uh, I think cars maybe. I think most men kind of when they buy a car, the bigger the engine and the faster it goes, the more they like it. So um, yeah, they might appeal to more masculine kind of imagery. Well, mm -hmm. I've got a Volkswagen Polo. I don't know if that's the manliest car, uh, okay. but it gets the job done. Uh, but I disagree with all of this because think you have David Attenborough. He's triggered the recent shift uh, mm -hmm. towards kind of getting rid of plastic straws, bags and everything uh, with that turtle that got one stuck up its nose. Uh, so he's triggered this latest environmental shift. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got people like Steve Irwin, uh, rest in peace, uh, but he was wrestling alligators and stuff yeah. like that, very manly, but also a big uh, pro pro proponent of you know, looking after the, the world we live in. Mm -hmm. So I think men really, uh, we're doing a better job than the ladies. Yeah, I mean, people, men in my life as well, uh, family, friends, I don't think I know anyone who would actually, especially to do the plastic bags, would be would think that it's unmanly to reuse a plastic bag mm. but but we have somebody a special guest today who uh called jeff curran oh, no. come on we're losing johnny give me a microphone <laughs> yeah, hello okay. everybody it's great to see you apologies if that hurt anyone's Sorry, ears hello everybody great yeah. to see you i think that is better right what we're we talking about okay so we've got this new study which says that uh some men using reusable bags so if they were to use a bag take a bag in store that's been used already um they class that as unmanly uh, look it's all a load of old rubbish come on frankly uh right do i use uh, plastic bags yes i use them for my i don't bother buying bin liners i use my old reusable shopping bags mm -hmm. the reason i do so is that i cannot be bothered to go and take one to the shop and if I'm spending 10 quid, 5p is absolutely diddly squat. If you're going to want to do proper recycling plastic bags, 
make them 50p, everyone will stop buying plastic bags, all right? <laughs> so you want to do it properly, make it a proper penalty. That's the way to do it. Forget the, the feminism, the sexism or whatever around plastic bags. If you want to stop people using plastic bags, you've got to penalise them properly or you stop them being there, okay? So there's this whole thing about McDonald's, by the way. Am I going see, on? No, no, I, gonna, I was going to say, then, do you see well, signs of a politician there? Or, no, absolutely like, going not. going for it. Yeah, I have answered the question. So, because oh, I, I, I have answered the question a different way. Um, so men and, women, men and women are both the same, okay? There, is, there shouldn't be any of this rubbish uh, from a... Is there a sexism issue? Like a sexism issue. Going back to the penalty, it's or you take out. So, for instance, McDonald's stopping using plastic straws stops the whole problem straight away. Okay, not difficult. Yeah, that's something that's going to be implemented with the plastic straws and cotton buds, that kind of thing. The next point is that um, would you donate to charity if it had a masculine logo or so something like a fox um, rather than butterflies and flowers? Okay, well, there's two questions there. So, do I donate to charity? Because Not that much. Don't really that care. I know you probably don't want to hear that. Pay um, taxes, Jeff. I pay my taxes. Yeah. That should do it. However, when it comes down to uh, you know uh, a pretty thing against a manly thing, you know, sadly, I think I probably would pick the wolf. Though then someone asked if it's a pink wolf and then it's a blue butterfly, which one would you pick? Mm. Uh, though somebody being metrosexual went have a pink wolf uh, do you know what yes there is a possibility that that could sway certain people I think mm -hmm. there is no doubt uh, uh, but whether that would actually make you just give to charity that I'm not sure about okay okay and the next one is about uh, buying hybrid cars if the adverts use masculine words <sighs> Do you Would know you what? There inclined? is probably some advertising expert out there that will tell you that the way that we use uh, linguistics and therefore the way that we're programmed within neuro-linguistic programming or NLP... Jeff, I'm you know, asking for your opinion, uh, not going, going to... off about no, 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 no. what other linguistic <laughs> people think. Come on, I'm trying to prove how clever I am. I am really clever, don't you know that? Uh, my, my thought, no, I wouldn't be swayed by that. Would men be swayed by masculine language? What is masculine language? Give me an example of, of some masculine language. What would a masculine, I mean, a I word? Know. I know. It's a hard drive. I yeah. don't know. Is that, is that going to count? Could be, back? yeah. I think that's right. We're back into Would the be. Me Too bit yeah. here, aren't we? <laughs> I think we've got to be careful. Yeah, don't, don't Do you want Johnny you back gotta now? You've got to be careful. Getting... I think I need Johnny, <laughs> Do you want Johnny back. back. Thank you now. very much. Oh, I don't want to go. Jeff I want needs to, to leave stay. now. Let me be the star. Uh, Jeff needs to leave. Um, apologies to anyone who, if anyone's is. Yeah, don't God worry, bath. that'll never happen again. He won't uh, be back. This will be uh, the last time Jeff is here on this seat. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, but please do let us know what you think. Uh, leave us a comment, as I mentioned. Uh, and follow us on Energy Live News uh, to keep up to date with what's happening in the world of energy. Uh, so moving on from stories to uh, big events coming up. So next week is our first big event of this year. Uh, it's Energy Life Future. It's on the 7th of June, which is next Thursday. Uh, and it's at the Crystal in London. It's for large energy end users. Uh, so we've actually got, a few, we have had a few cancellations uh, in the last few days. So we've got a few spare tickets left. So if you are a large energy end user and you'd like to come along, uh, do email us, get in touch. You can send it to uh, jeff.curren. It's a special call. It's from Subit. You're both sacked for putting me on. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is Suma. Am I meant to take this call? Loudspeaker. Uh, for a different opinion, for viewpoint. <laughs> Suma, I'm live.
<laughs> he pays our salary. We can't argue with him. We um, have to do what he says. Yeah, sorry about that, folks. Um, <laughs> right, so Energy Life Future, if you are a large energy end user, like I said, and you want to come along, you can send an email to jeff.current at energylivenews.com. Uh, so just to give you an idea of what we have on during the day, uh, so lots of content. Uh, headline session is by Mars One founder Baz Lansdorp. Uh, we'll have a short clip for you, a uh, message from him. Hello, I'm Baz Lansdorp. I'm CEO and co-founder of Mars One. I'll be speaking at Energy Life Future in June in London, and I hope you will be there. I'll be speaking about Mars, about why we should go there, how we will go there, about how we will get energy on Mars. It's going to be an exciting event. Join us. Uh, so yes, Baz Lansdorp will be headlining the show. Uh, we've also got a session from, ba from Gab Barrow. He's from British Gas Business, Managing Director. Uh, he'll be talking about the future of energy and businesses, uh, how businesses are investing in energy for a uh, to make more money essentially uh, and how they can prepare for a future where the price of energy is no longer king. Uh, also we'll be showcasing low carbon vehicles and charging infrastructure uh, as part of the EV highway. We've got a, session, we've got a big, bit of space for that uh, and we'll also have a session on how businesses can make that transition towards to using low carbon vehicles in their fleet. Um, another session also on how major energy end users can improve energy efficiency and their operational performance uh, and obviously we'll have a networking session and a lot of drinks at the end so hopefully you can come along and we'll see you there next week yeah it's a really good event so mm. we're looking forward to seeing you there uh, i'm hoping to drive an electric car around the venue but probably not uh, so we've got uh, also telco coming up that's a massive event so congratulations to everyone uh, all the companies and individuals that we've shortlisted for our awards uh, we're very excited. It's still a month away, so if you're excited too, uh, then please get in touch with us for tickets. Uh, sorry, you probably will have to speak to Jeff again to do that, uh, but do it over email or something. It's easier. Uh, and we've actually conducted video interviews with lots of the people and companies uh, on our shortlist, uh, some in the office, some outside. Uh, but you're going to be able to see those videos going up on our website from the 11th of June uh, so you can get a taste of you know why people are so interested in the event and think our awards are so good uh, and yep we've also got energy live expo so you've got to come to that that's on the 31st of October uh, and it's great because uh, energy minister Claire Perry is actually headlining uh, as I'm sure many of you know She's an amazing speaker, so we're all looking forward here to hearing uh, mm -hmm. about what she has to say. Uh, so yeah, again, get in touch with us about that if you want to come along, and we hope to see you there. Yeah, also, if you have any questions for uh, the minister, you can send it over to stories at energylivenews.com, and we'll make sure we, hopefully, we can put some of those stories up to her. Uh, sorry, some of the questions up. Uh, yeah. Right, so moving on to the final, final uh, segment. It is a short clip. Uh, basically about a wind turbine mm. that caught fire yeah, during so wind the storms farm, this yeah. week. A wind farm and one of the turbines caught fire. Mm. Uh, so this actually is in uh, Ransonmore wind farm, so I couldn't read my own handwriting there and had a <laughs> slip of the brain. He's, he's got very bad <laughs> handwriting. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's in Cambridgeshire, Ransonmore wind farm. There's five wind turbines there. Uh, and on Wednesday, Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, mm. Uh, there was heavy rain, thunder, lightning. Yeah. Uh, so although the fire brigade turned up at 7.30 in the morning uh, after receiving calls because one of the turbines was on fire, mm -hmm. uh, they couldn't actually figure out what caused the fire yet, so they're still investigating. 
but the two most popular theories seem to be that lightning hit one of the turbines because right. uh, obviously they're great conductors, they're just metal poles in the middle of the countryside ready to get hit by lightning. Uh, or the wind blew the turbines too fast um, and the motor kind of burned out and set a fire. But neither of those have been confirmed yet. Yeah. Uh, so you can you stay tuned, we can update the story when mm. we find out. But the good news is that no one was <coughs> hurt, right? No, no one was hurt. There was lots of debris falling off the wind farm into the field next door. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the fire brigade stayed there, let the fire burn itself out because um, they couldn't safely deal with it. So, yeah, yeah, no one was hurt, which is the good thing. Yeah. OK, so uh, just before we uh, end this session, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's World Environment Day next week yeah. uh, on the 5th of June. And everyone's being urged to play a little part, uh, do what they can do. Um, and I thought this image was very fitting because I've been hearing lots of conversations in the office about the new Star Wars movie. Uh, to be honest, I can't differentiate between Star Wars and Star Trek, and I'm sorry. Yeah, the journalism side are, of this, uh, uh, yes. we're not too clued up on Star Wars. <laughs> um, but I thought this image was very fitting, and hopefully I'm sure we might just see Sumit and Jeff uh, swapping their lightsabers for a very energy-efficient one soon. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week. Uh, Sume will be back again next week to host the session. Uh, no, back at not. Friday next week, <laughs> Friday at 4. Uh, so hopefully you can join us again. But in the meantime, uh, have a very good weekend. Thank you. Yeah, have a good weekend. Bye. Bye-bye.